Welcome to Freelance Feels, a podcast for humans who work for themselves. This episode, I'm speaking to Sharu Izadi, who is a behavioural change specialist, author of The Last Diet and The Kindness Method, and does a lot of public speaking at wellness events. We talk about our eating habits when we're freelance and working from home, as well as delving into the idea of making changes for yourself, not to someone else's schedule, which feels pretty pertinent right now. We talk about trying to motivate yourself to exercise when you work from home, her love of day pyjamas and writing a half-done list at the end of the day. Do note, this was recorded pre-government advice to stay at home and socially isolate. Welcome to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. I am chatting today to Sheru Azadi. Hello, Sheru. How are you? Hello. Very well, thank you. Not bad at all. Good, good. Um, Thanks so much for joining me. There's so much to chat about from your work and then you have a book out, The Last Diet, which I think has so many parallels to relate to freelance life. So we're going to chat about all of that. But I'd love it if you wanted to start by telling everybody sort of what your freelance is, if you refer to yourself as a freelancer. Um, what's, your, what's your line of work and, and what brings you to self-employed life? Interestingly, I only, um, I only sort of call myself a freelancer when I realise that there are certain things that I share in common with people who are self-employed like waiting for invoices to get paid and <laughs> yeah. things I see people talking about but I've never really thought about it that way I think I've just I've just been self-employed for quite a long time now mm-hmm. um I became a I was I was working briefly in drug and alcohol services and then when I became a consultant a few years back I became self-employed so it feels like the only way I've known for quite a while. And at the moment, I guess my job is writing books and articles and mm-hmm. seeing clients online and face-to-face for coaching and also um, doing public speaking gigs and then all the sort of in-betweeny, admin stuff that you have to do. I'm a team of one, so... Yes, so um, it's just you doing everything from... It's just me doing all that stuff, PR yeah. to I'm every department. Clients. My goodness, yeah. that is a really wide remit of things to be doing I mean it must lead for quite a varied day uh, are you very much a no two days are the same in that kind of respect yeah definitely yeah definitely no two days are the same and I've just got I've just got used to that really I just look at the week ahead and I'm like oh interesting let's see how this one goes but I do try and keep some things constant so that I can feel like there's a framework within which all that stuff can kind of happen that mm. I can impose and I do kind of, you know, I do get to control my diary to a large extent. That's a good side, isn't That's it? Nice. So yeah, you might yeah. be juggling everything, but at least you can say, well, you haven't got so-and-so from another department saying, well, I need to meet with you. And you thinking, I don't need to meet with you. You know, there's, there's that autonomy, isn't there, when you run your own diary? Yeah, and you also get to sort of group things together. Like one thing that I've learned recently is I don't really like seeing online clients and face-to-face clients on the same day because one of the mm. things I love most about online clients is that I can dress comfortably and like oh. stay in my flat and not have <laughs> shoes on and be all cosy. So now I just do, where possible, I'll do all my online meetings and all my online work on one day so that I can really benefit from that aspect of it. Or, you know, sometimes I'll just block out a day and mm. it will take a lot to make me unblock it just because I want to have a nice day and go do something fun do you do the whole set in the out of office thing if you want some time by yourself just to do a bit of admin or whatever so i know some people sort of will put the out of office and say i can't respond at the moment is that a trick that you like to use to kind of manage your your time and your energy i can't say i have yet mm. um but a few years ago i learned to start setting a precedent through mm. my behavior which was like Ooh. i'm i'm not going to behave like this is an emergency mm-hmm. and i learned early on that when i would respond to emails really quickly I'd get a response really quickly and before I knew it 
I was distracted from a piece of creative work or something that needed some focus. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the time I am going to (laughs) reply. So (laughs) if I put loads of out of offices, people are just going to stop respecting them anyway because they're going to be like "Ah, the other day you're so right (laughs) I had my out of office on saying I'm not available today and then I replied to someone within about three seconds of them emailing I thought I've just basically like said it's equivalent to saying I'm not eating cake and then basically saying and I'd like that chocolate brownie please (laughs) yeah exactly and then when they reply to you they get your out of office again yeah which then then looks really annoying yeah (laughs) oh you're so right that's a very good already good take (laughs) you know what that said more and more i have really admired the sorts of out of offices that i've been getting from other people things like i'm trying to create a work-life balance and spend time with my family so we can't argue please don't expect yeah and it's like fair play enjoy your life go on oh i love that one i like that i like i like the honest the honesty of it you know it's nice yeah yeah that's really good at the moment it might be um we're chatting in the midst of coronavirus times you you could literally put you know sort of i'm self-isolating i i'm not well or i guess there's an honesty to be had there isn't there where people then go okay definitely won't disturb you you're you're not doing so well with with things at the moment it's um yeah i guess there's that element yeah definitely and i think also people just treat things like emergencies i'm guilty of it too Mm. because i want to get it off my list yeah but i've had to check myself a little bit and be like are you writing this with a with an urgency when actually it could wait a couple of weeks Mm. are you making the other person feel like they need to respond immediately no i mean obviously that's on them but you know what i mean like a lot of the time when you want to get things off your off your yeah, list that's you, so you forget that someone else has got their own list it's very interesting you say that because obviously your work is is in um you're an addictions sort of specialist is that a fair way to describe sort of your i'd say your behavioral work? change specialist i'm always really careful i like mm. to i like to not give myself too many labels that mm. might give the wrong impression about the qualifications that i have and i like to be really transparent about where my strengths are and what what labels to kind of call myself mm. so behavioral change specialist is is probably the closest I've come to specifically the reality of what I am. And sometimes it's misrepresented in the press and stuff like that. And I just think in well-being and psychology, and we're talking about such complex things, mm. it's up to us to say, actually, this person's more qualified or this person should be speaking on this and therefore they should be called this regardless of what's the protected term and what isn't you know and so I'm yeah I think behavioral change specialist is probably the right that's the one I've stuck to for a few years now because addiction is where I drew from and I continued to draw so much of my knowledge both from addiction treatment and the evidence base is being used clinically and in prisons and the community to help people with substance misuse specifically mm-hmm. um, but also the things that are being used in the addiction recovery community is just filled with so much wisdom and so many resources around self-efficacy and self-awareness and self-compassion so yeah I geek out on addiction too so. <laughs> <laughs> massively do you think it's something are there parallels with addiction issues and, and freelance life? And I know that obviously there's some, some really serious, there's very, very serious nature to, to extreme addiction issues. But at the mm-hmm. same time, you know, especially people who work for themselves, we, we often have an inability to switch off, to log off, for example, or we have extreme sort of anxiety about missing out if we're not on social media or we have anxiety mm-hmm. because we see other people. We perceive that they're succeeding. Do you think there's a lot of parallels there? And do you, do you experience that a bit yourself as well? I mean, when I work with people who are in recovery, I certainly take a lot from them and learn a lot from them about things like routine, mm-hmm. the importance of self-defined values. Where are you putting your energy? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the time working in addiction, you're not talking about addiction. You're talking about self-care, 
yes motivation Um, things like procrastination you know I learned a lot from the addiction recovery community about procrastination and distraction Mm -hmm. techniques and being able to sit in the discomfort of wanting to do something that I find boring knowing the value in long-term gain over short-term fix or Mm -hmm. short taking the easy road in the short term Um, and I guess a, a lot of addiction recovery is to do with that yeah. It's about putting your more meaningful goals ahead of your short-term relief. So that for me has helped enormously, both in terms of planning my day and in terms of planning my business. And your business, of course, includes your new book, The Last mm-hmm. Diet, which I have, I was going to say consumed, but that doesn't seem like the right word for the <laughs> book called The Last Diet. But that so many things in there really spoke to me and also made me feel like there were parallels with with how we treat ourselves as freelancers because it's all about sort of you know kind of trying to to change the way we approach our eating habits and it made me think well as freelancers actually we can be pretty crap with our eating habits right I mean there was a real Mm -hmm. I guess my question is would you like to tell us a little bit about the book yourself and then kind of draw those parallels between diet habits and 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 freelance diet habits because yeah we're in a biscuit led zone right (laughs) I think yeah I mean I think the word diet is bit of a trojan horse because it's actually kind of anti-diet but it is about creating self-defined frameworks so like we all have to eat and very often we don't sit to think right what are my eating habits doing for me am I the kind of person who wants to have breakfast am I the kind of person whose body responds to eating these sorts of foods really well or etc etc and I certainly find that when you're working freelance that's more important than ever yeah. I know that little, little things, little guidelines, you learn a lot about yourself. Like when I was writing the books, I would stay up until three, 4am sometimes. And I oh, loved wow. that. Oh, that was sort of I a good working loved. cycle for you. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I just loved it. It was so indulgent for me. I would just sleep until midday. I felt like a proper writer, you know, I, I don't think I could do that anymore. But at the time I was thinking, gosh, am I someone who wants to eat stuff at 2am, but I'm hungry, you know? And it was a process by which I had to start deciding what habits suited my existing habits and work from there whereas I think a lot of the time both in diets and in freelance working or however our routines go we're so susceptible to handing ourselves over to someone who's an expert and saying Mm. oh well this this is how writers write their books and these are the places that writers write their books and this is what a healthy person eats etc etc and so often even if it's really sound advice we're not adapting it to suit us and our lives and our values and our whims and even if we go on to move towards being that way like now for example i am a person who wakes up early in the morning you know the but, morning the elusive morning yeah. person i had to start from making it easy for myself where i was as opposed to think i was going to wake up tomorrow and be this like totally new person who just loved mornings <laughs> I had to accommodate the process and like create the path of least resistance for myself. And I guess that's where the parallel is in terms of what I've done, what I've done with my eating. I spent a lifetime going on these absurd diets, some of them more absurd than others. And even if there were elements of them, which were sound and good advice and healthy by, you know, by anyone's standards, I was just assuming that I was going to be like a new person with a totally new set of characteristics who was going to be able to implement these other people's plans. And I would just end up feeling really disillusioned. Whereas when I learned to make things work for me rather than the other way around, I noticed that I could make changes far more easily, actually. There's one big thing that you have in there that's stuck. It's really resonated with me so much. And it's the idea of saying that life can be okay if you stay as you are. And again, I can relate it to work life because there's a lot of things with work life that I think, oh, if I say I lost a stone or I, I lost the or X person loses the X amount of weight they think that they should to then be more productive or then they might say well I'd go for that job 
if I looked a different way or if I lost weight, mm-hmm. or I might try and see if I could speak at an event if I lost weight. There's that real sort of resonance of like, oh, well, what would happen if actually you never did change your body shape <laughs> at all? Well, you yeah. can still speak at that event, right? We have that barrier, almost the physical can be a bit of a barrier. And maybe as freelancers, we can hide behind it a bit because sometimes we can spend all day at home thinking, well, no one is seeing yeah. us. I had all these things that I was going to do professionally, personally, etc. when I'd lost all this weight. And I write in the first book and the second book, actually, because it resonated with so many people that yeah. I went to a counselling session once and the counsellor said to me, what if you never lose weight? And I was so annoyed. Mm. And it wasn't until then that I realised how much of my life was waiting for this elusive day when I'd be slim and I'd date, and I'd, uh, you know, I'd be a different kind of professional and I'd be, I'd dress differently. And I kind of did this <laughs> experiment where I thought, why don't I just start doing those things? First of all, it came to my attention how much I was attaching my worthiness and my capacity to my weight when it had nothing to do with it. But the other thing was doing that stuff made me feel good and doing difficult things like changing your eating habits is easier when you feel good. Yes. <laughs> So everything yeah. started happening a lot, more, a lot more naturally when I was like really championing myself professionally, championing myself personally. Not only did I undo a lot of those, unlearn a lot of these myths that I told myself about the sort of person who's professionally successful or the sort of person who is romantically successful, but also I felt pumped. Yes. So oh. I felt more resilient and I was able to do stuff because I was enjoying my life and disassociating my worthiness to enjoy my life from these mm. goals that I'd imposed on myself. It's so true. There's something else you mentioned that you started doing and I love it as well is that you would lay out a yoga mat and think, okay, well I can do my, your, stre- your morning stretching routine that you wanted to commit to because mm. the mat was there. So you'd have to step over the mat and ignore <laughs> the mat and it's almost like, well, once the mat's out. And I'll, I have this trick where if I want to do exercise in a day, and I'm feeling very motivated because this isn't all the time. I'll put on my gym kit when I get up because I think, mm-hmm. well, if you change out of your gym kit and you haven't been to the gym or you haven't been for your run, then you feel a bit daft, don't you? So I wondered if there were any other tips you'd have for freelancers <laughs> of that nature that might be like motivational for, you know, if they are, they do, they do wake up and think, how am I going to get going today? I guess, especially in the current climate where things are very up in the air for people. We don't know what's well, happening with business and isolation. First of all, on the gym kit thing, Jenny. Yes. I used to go to bed in my gym. Oh yes, you put that in as well, didn't you? Yeah, because I thought... I used to actually go to sleep. Because it's pretty comfy. I mean, it's not like a corset. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty stretchy. (laughs) So it was really stretchy and comfy. So I'd wake up and be like, you're already in your... Like, all you have to do is put on shoes and wash your face. But one thing that I find really helpful... First of all, I like the fact that if I'm working from home and I don't have to engage with anyone and I'm just writing that I can be in my pyjamas. I really do. But I imposed this rule where I'd have to shower and get into fresh pyjamas. Ooh, cool. <laughs> so like daytime gym jams. Daytime, daytime vibes. Yeah, just little things that kind of reminded me that how I feel matters today. Because I, more and more, I realized it gets to 4 p.m. and I felt kind of ugh, lethargic and yeah. gross and like I hadn't had any fresh air. And like it was, it, it, it does make an impact. The other thing I, I find is that rather than writing a to-do list at the beginning of the, re- the day, I write a like a have done list. Ooh, so I, I say like by 2 p.m. I want to have done this. By 4 p.m. I want to have done this. And it, the way that I write it is actually, I'm so proud that I've managed to do Da, 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 da. and I write it exactly the way I would a to-do list but the difference is it gets you thinking right if I get this done by the end of the day this is how I'm gonna feel and it's almost like you're chasing that feeling and so when when it gets like to 2 p.m and I get to that boring like, like I hate doing invoicing and mm, if it gets I'll to an invoicing say. bit and I'm like oh 
I kind of think, no, Sheree, you know how you're going to feel at 4 p.m. if you just get this done. Yes. You've already thought about how you're going to feel at 4 p.m. And it's such a small reframe, but it's helped me enormously with productivity because I think that's it. At the end of the day, you'll feel like this and all you have to do is take this off for the next hour. And so when I find myself thinking, oh, maybe I'll just browse on Twitter or something, I think, no, Sheree, because that's going to move you one step away from feeling like this at the end of the day it helps it helps me enormously because I'm so likely to do stuff that's more fun I mean we all are aren't, aren't we yeah to be dis- distracted by stuff that's that's oh, more fun yeah. and especially on with tech and then end up thinking right well I've read like eight articles on hacks on how to wash this pan and I don't feel like it's got me any closer to creating a decent business I love that you mentioned there not like almost putting off the invoicing that's something I do like I I filed a feature I think almost a week ago and I still need to send the invoice and I actively put it off and I don't know what the fear there is but I think a lot of people will probably relate to that as well why do you think you sort of have a thing with like you sort of said oh I've got to do the invoicing it's almost like I've got to make sure I get paid it's annoying to have to ask to get paid isn't it you should just it's one of those things you kind of hope that it's just like implied but the other thing in my case working in the helping professions and I've learned recently from my friend that this is common you get this guilt where it's like shouldn't I be doing this for free because I'm helping people and you know you get this guilt and it's like well yeah but how many people am I going to help if I don't have a house you know it is hard work and I do need to attach a value to my work and I also don't like although I've been I've been quite lucky I haven't had to do much of this compared to a lot of friends who I have who are freelance journalists etc um because a lot of the companies that I work with will pay me in advance well and that's something that I'm learning too but Mm. the thing is and you know the corona thing's certainly been a been a lesson in that sense i mean how unprecedented where you're you've committed to all these things and now you have to go oh i have nothing in place that says you need to pay me <laughs> yeah like um, terms and conditions which i also feel like seems really demanding if i put terms and conditions on my invoice saying if you don't pay this i'm going to charge you interest after x amount of days i feel like oh god are they going to think i'm really bolshy and they won't commission me again or get me to come and do their event again because I was really demanding on my invoice. You feel like, oh, I don't want to rock any boats. Well, it's it's also because I think when you're freelance and you don't have colleagues, I don't know about you, but I find Mm. like even with you or anyone who I talk to, it's like you're making friends, especially when it's people who work specifically in your industry. It isn't like you're someone from HR. You know, you're someone who's similar interest not to me, no. <laughs> and we're roughly the same age. And so, talking to you, it's fun. And I forget oh. that this is a work conversation. Yeah, <laughs> actually, it's completely normal <laughs> if you owed me money to ask you for money. But it kind of feels like you have to apologise because you're buddies. Yeah, you know, that's so true. And then, that really that explains it a lot. Actually, I hadn't thought of it like that. But I am friends with a lot of my commissioning editors, so. Yeah, it's almost like saying to them, oh, you owe me a tenner. Particularly if you socialise with them or if they're self-employed too. So you're like, oh, I know that you're under this pressure. You're part of this sort of like chain. Like, I know you haven't been paid by so-and-so. You have insight into other people who are struggling to get paid. And so to ask them to pay you feels like you're part of the problem. Yeah, you're so (laughs) right. Oh, I knew you'd know the answer. I knew it. Well, no, it's not the answer. I'm just saying I, I don't like it either. Are you a big fan of having... A very peaceful work desk are you a very much a home office very organized in that respect person or do you kind of work from anywhere the kitchen table do you do you have a routine in that respect when you're doing a lot of work from home I tend to be one extreme or the other I either tend to be like on my desk being very grown up or I'll have like full couch feet up you know there are so many downsides to working alone and mm. working from home that I make a concerted effort to really benefit from the upsides of it and make sure that I do. Like yesterday, for example, I took half the day off. 
Oh, and nice. I just hung out with I just hung out with my friend because the weather was nice, and I knew that all the admin I had to do could wait until today. Yeah. So that like spontaneous decision, just because the sun came out, is the sort of thing I know I need to be doing. So that on days where I think I haven't seen another human being who's not a client for four days, <laughs> I don't I don't resent it. Or when people have Christmas parties, oh. That made me so jealous. Yes. Oh, I get so jealous. <laughs> I'm always excited if I'm in a magazine or like in-house somewhere and they're like, it's a Christmas party this week. I'm like, yes, I'm going to get to go to one. There's a lot of freelance <laughs> ones that pop up though these days. I think there's quite a few sort of people oh, yeah? organise freelance Christmas parties now and sort of try Do and do get together. Yeah. yeah. I'm always like, oh, gutted. And all the like Christmas party drama, I don't get any of that. No, it's just no. me and my laptop don't get up too much. <laughs> this year when i find out about some freelance christmas parties Please i'm gonna do. let you know I'm we're going to one together and we're gonna i'm there cause some mayhem and uh, get some <laughs> gossip and stuff that's the good thing about being freelance though you could go to the christmas party and then go back and mind your own business and not have to go into work the next day if there's a shame element in terms of behavior you can kind of go oh well yeah. you can lie in yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and you do a lot of speaking for your work as well don't you I mean we we first met at, um you were speaking at an event for the lovely uh, I'll name check what the health events do you find speaking is a really great part of your freelance life I know as we chat now we've had an event that you were going to speak at that's had to be postponed very sadly because of the coronavirus yeah. but the speaking really bring your freelance life a really a really nice element there for you is it enjoyable interestingly enough speaking for me has more of a personal impact than a professional one because Ooh. I have a stammer which has got a lot better mm. as a result of putting myself in those terrifying frankly situations yeah. and when I was younger it was really debilitating like I could barely get words out a lot of the time mm. so for me speaking it's great it's scary but it's the sort of scary I put myself in front of on purpose in terms of a personal development and because every time you scary. do is it kind of does it build up the confidence the more you do it then yeah, you know, I have real faith in the fact that a lot of the time when people are watching public speakers, they're thinking, better you than me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I've always been, you know, with, with, there are a few exceptions here and there, but I've always been so lucky and it's been really affirmed to me that people are just lovely wherever I go. And so speaking publicly, I've always been made to feel very comfortable, even though it is strictly speaking, quite terrifying. And different crowds are different. Like the other day I spoke at a conference where I was really, you know, I was, I was well received and everyone was listening, but it wasn't a well-being crowd. So they hadn't come okay. specifically to see me. So, or to see people who subjects that I speak on. And so that was really quite terrifying. Yeah, I can <laughs> <And> imagine. <laughs> you could tell that the winning people around was a whole other story. Immediately the day after I went to speak at a place where it was maybe like literally 10 times more people there mm. and from the from the first sentence I could tell that this was a, this was my crowd you know yeah. this was a warm crowd this was a crowd who was writing down everything everything I said they were clapping things that didn't need clapping oh you know so you're like it was amazing <laughs> and so I think what I'm learning from speaking gigs and actually a lot of freelance work is that you can't get into the mindset that you're only as good as your last gig. We don't have that framework around us. We don't have that continued feedback. We've got yeah. to give it to ourselves. And so I remember when that first one didn't go as great as I would hope, it was mm. still fine. Yeah. But I remember thinking to myself, true, don't let this impact the next one. This has got nothing to do with the next one. You're not yeah. like, building progress here you're talking about putting yourself in loads of completely different contexts 
and just seeing what happens. That's so interesting because I think people have that, even if they're not someone who does speaking, they might have that with, say, meetings or they might have it where, I mean, I do a lot of in-house work where I'm often essentially the new girl. And mm -hmm. sometimes the, the contract might be short or long, it might not go as well as I expected, or it might be that I don't connect with certain people in the office that I thought I might. And yeah, you could go into the next contract thinking, oh, well, what happened at that yeah. last place or something, you know, but you've, you've got to sort of reboot almost, haven't you? Kind of pause and then click, okay, control, alt, delete. You have to be your own team member, your own boss, mm -hmm. your own champion, your own colleague like all those things you need you have to do for yourself and you know one thing that I do and I've been doing since the first book came out because of course books are associated with things like getting feedback and when you write yeah. books that are really personal when you get negative feedback it hurts but it's just part and parcel and you kind of think no you know I signed up for this and it's, it's okay but it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt what I started doing was every piece of positive feedback everything from like someone in an email writing like it's really thank you you know it's been a pleasure working with you or a really good review or something that you get that just means that you're, you're on the right path I started doing a screenshot taking a screenshot of it and keeping a folder in my notes Ooh. and now I've got eight feedback folders and so on a day where I you know I have a bad gig or I lose a you know, I lose some money or something freelancing mm -hmm. happens. I commit to just glancing at that stuff and being like, you know what? Overall, you're doing great. That's don't, an awesome idea. <laughs> don't take that. this out of context. Don't don't think that this is defining you. Overall, you're doing like eighty percent great, and it just helps me zoom out. It's it's kind of enables me to have that conversation that I would otherwise love to have with a really nice colleague yeah. who sees how hard I'm working and sees that maybe I've been misunderstood or that wasn't fair. Mm -hmm. Like it just comes into being like, what do you need to hear? And can you be saying it to yourself? Oh, I love that. Oh, I'm all like, I'm a bit emotional. Yeah. <laughs> but this is, this That's is really what I've learned because I yeah. live alone and I work alone. Mm. So it's yeah. like, sometimes I think to myself, okay, if you, if you need to hear, you know, and all of, all of my friends, even if I wasn't living alone working, like, they're incredibly busy people mm -hmm. they've got kids they've got jobs they've got a million things going on it's not like we're all at each other's beck and call the way we were at uni yeah you know, you know? and now I kind of think okay when you call this person what are you hoping they're going to tell you mm. and usually when it comes to work what I'm hoping they're going to tell me is remember how well you're doing everything's going great you publish a book yeah. if I told you five years ago that you'd be doing this you would think you'd be waking up every day jumping for joy so yeah. don't get lost don't get lost in the detail here. Everything's still going great. Because your other book is the the kindness method, isn't it? We yeah. Mentioning the other book, and it's like, t tell us quickly what the kindness method's about, because I think that's a really great one for freelancers as well. As a real, yeah, the kindness method is just um, a bunch of written exercises with explanations to help you change any habit, really, and get more insight into why you've not been able to change a habit. Because a lot of the time we know why we haven't been able to change habits. And there are so many amazing books out there, evidence-based about habit change and motivation. And what I thought was maybe missing was one where you could take yourself through a process of change with loads of guided exercises without having to hand yourself over to an expert yeah. or read loads of books. And I, um, I just drew from everything that I saw working in addiction treatment. Cause obviously these people are turning their entire lives around with very few resources a lot of the time. And I kind of wanted to hand over a toolkit to people that they could use throughout their lives over and over again, anytime an unwanted habit emerged. And so it just takes you through a whole process of planning how you're going to change, gaining some insight into why you haven't changed already. And it's private too. So I think a lot of the time 
if we are procrastinating, anything where people feel shame or embarrassment about the extent that things have got to, but they want to be honest with themselves. I wanted to create a book that could simply take you through a process where it was almost like I was talking to you or a really good coach or someone was drawing that wisdom out of you yeah. without you having to part with a lot more money than the price of the book, whatever it is now used <laughs> yes. and new. I dread to think what it is used and new at this stage, but yeah. Um, so that's, that's the kindness method. It is much more general. The last diet was, the last diet, what I've noticed is that it resonates enormously with some people and not at all with other people. I oh, really? And that's another thing that I've had to really understand mm. that there are some people who want guidelines on what to eat and what not to eat. And I, I, I wasn't prepared to do that because that's what I was tired of being told yeah. what to do. Yeah. And there are other people who just can't relate to having difficult relationship with food the way I did. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's just not, it's just not for them. Fair play. Whereas the kindness method I found has been really, it's applicable across the board. People are using it in their organizations, in schools. It's just not about one, one habit. Whereas the last diet is very much about food. And do you think, I mean, we touched on it a little bit, but do you think freelancers do have bad habits with food or do you think actually fair enough, we like to eat quite differently because you know, we are remote and we are on a different schedule. And actually, yeah, like you say, we might be eating at two in the morning and that might <laughs> work for us, I guess, if that's who we I are. I mean, yes and no. I think the flexibility, much like a lot of times when we have a lot of flexibility, can work in our favour or against mm. us. So I know a lot of clients who are freelance who have found that, yeah, they're just like mindless, they're mindlessly snacking. Mm -hmm. for example yeah. or they're working late into the night or they don't see the value in like presenting a meal properly mm. because they're sat in exactly the same place they've been all day yeah so it feels weird to even present a meal and so with a lot of clients what I found is it really helps them to think okay do you know what I do have the luxury here mm. of creating a really lovely healthy meal and treating myself in my home as if I'm a guest turning off the laptop just for half an hour which which is a luxury that a lot of people working in offices don't have. You can't mm. cook stuff from scratch. You can't. Yes, on the one hand, I've had a lot of clients who have had to take their card details out of the delivery app. <laughs> That's good. Cool. Um, yeah. But I've also had a lot of clients, usually the same ones, who are thinking, actually, I have so much opportunity here. Like if I wanted to spend an hour on a Thursday afternoon batch cooking between mm. my meetings, then I can. And yeah. that's a luxury a lot of people don't have. Or if I want to pop out and get myself something really healthy, whatever that is to each person at 11 a.m. before everyone else has gone out to grab their lunch, I can. I've been able to do things that I have time for. Mm. Like when I was working, when I wasn't a morning person and I was working in an office, I was mm. the sort of person who woke up like 10 minutes before I absolutely had to or like <laughs> eight minutes before I absolutely had to. And I was basically like, how have I even arrived here at work? What just took place? I can't believe I got on a bus this asleep. And... <laughs> Whereas now, even if I feel the same way, I can, you know, brew proper coffee. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So there are ways to benefit from it. And I think you have to be careful when you're working alone or working from home that you don't accidentally just get the worst bits of it. It's something oh, I, I wanted so. to end with asking you, actually. If you had one piece of advice for someone who is struggling with freelance balance, either from experience or from your work, what, what would you kind of say would be your advice for someone who's who is struggling to find that balance you just spoke of there. I think progress, not perfection. A lot of people think if this day isn't perfect, then there's no point in doing anything and it can be crippling for productivity. So it's like, even if you haven't done nearly as much as you wanted to do today, do something, do something. Cause it's so easy to just go, no, when I, when I was writing the first book, I was procrastinating so much at the beginning, but at one point I actually said, oh, I can't be a writer without candles. So I went out <laughs> and bought 
candles and it took like four hours out of my day. Brilliant. You know, just catch yourself doing that stuff. And remember it, it isn't easy, but there are so many benefits to just getting a little bit done because momentum is not to be underestimated. Once you've got a bit of momentum and you don't have that sort of blank page fear, everything becomes a lot easier. So just do a little bit. Just a little progress, not perfection. Do a bit. Yeah. Just do a bit and let the rest kind of take care of itself. I love that. Oh, thank you. That's really lovely. Oh, I feel all warm and happy. It's very nice. (laughs) Would you like to tell people how they can find you, your work, the books, share with us all of your, your social if you'd like to and and websites and things so people can access to my work to my ridiculous name. Sorry, I shouldn't (laughs) say that. Sorry, mum. Oh, uh, thanks to my name. Really, you just have to put my name in Google and you'll see. Just put Sheru in Google. <laughs> and you'll come up. You'll be able to find me. But I'm on Instagram now and I post, I'm learning how to do the Instagram. Cool. I don't think that's the way you say it, but it's the way I say do it. like little bits of wisdom or whatever and learning about my hashtags. Oh, yeah. God, I'm really turning people off right now. The if stories. Anything. No, because people yeah. love hate, though. Instagram is a. I've really got into it, but I think some people are just like, I don't want this for my business. I don't understand it. I don't like it. I don't want to put myself out there. I didn't initially. And you know, that's another thing that I'll leave you with is I really, oh, the cringe, like cringe of making videos, cringe of uh, promoting myself, cringe, cringe, cringe. I used to put up a story and then like 10 minutes later, just delete it. Oh no. And yeah, I know. Cause I was just, I just wasn't used to it. It's straight. It feels strange, but I just kind of eased myself in. I'd be like, okay, leave it on for an hour leave it on for two hours and now I'm I'm over it and people should uh, so there's an h in your name isn't there so people are googling yeah exactly and it's Amazon Instagram Twitter LinkedIn all the all the usual haunts fantastic (laughs) oh Shrew thank you so much I've had a wonderful time chatting to you I feel very warm and and happy awesome um yeah thanks for joining me on Freelance Feels Thank you for listening to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do take a moment to rate and review it. I would be super grateful. If you'd like to find out more about Freelance Feels, it's at freelance underscore feels on Twitter and Instagram, freelancefeels.com online, and there's now a Freelance Feels newsletter at freelancefeels.substack.com. See you again soon.